Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Wow, no shortage of topics today. While Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue is traveling the country in an RV, trying to assure farmers and reassure them that the Trump administration is still supportive of agriculture, and as if farmers weren't already anxious enough about weather and planting concerns, in the news today... The U.S.-China trade tensions escalate as soybeans make the list for possible Chinese retaliation. EPA seems to be undermining the RFS by granting waivers to refiners. And key ag states like California are dealing with immigration and ag labor issues while also dealing with the Chinese tariff retaliation. So all kinds of things going on. We're going to have lots of uh, reports today. We'll talk with several people about some of these key areas. We'll talk with the CEO of the National Pork Producers Council, Neil Dirks. He'll join us to talk about pork being uh, on that list of Chinese retaliation. We're going to talk with the president of the California Farm Bureau. They have a real ag labor issue there. Uh, fruits impacted by Chinese retaliation. I've got a lot going on in California. We'll talk about that. But first up, EPA's seemingly uh, attack on the RFS by granting waivers to refiners who seemingly should not be qualifying for these waivers. We're going to talk about it with our first guest, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Always good to be with you. I mean, it... It may be backdoor, but it sure seems pretty evident and upfront what's going on here with EPA granting these uh, waivers. What we don't understand or can't seem to get an explanation for is how they're they're rationalizing it or justifying it. Well, it's just mind-boggling, Mike. We've been working with EPA for a year now trying to make sure that Administrator Pruitt fulfills his promise to Um, carry out the letter and spirit of the law as Congress enacted the Renewable Fuel Standard. But today, or yesterday, I should say, we learned that EPA has granted what's called a a small refiner exemption to a a very large refining company at at a couple of their facilities. Um, And it seems like it has been done in a way that, that really does um, blow the, the law up in terms of what EPA is supposed to do. And this drip drip from EPA in terms of steps and actions that undermine the RFS, reduce renewable fuel demand, and really cause pain um, for the, the facilities in rural America and the farmers that, that depend upon them for a marketplace. Brian, we've been down this road before. A president in the White House pledging support for the RFS while one of his agencies, like EPA, undermines the RFS. I mean, we've seen this story play out before, although it seems to be actually escalating at this point with with these waivers. We have seen this movie before, Mike, unfortunately. You and I have talked about this, in fact. Mm -hmm. Under the previous administration, We had an EPA that acted like American agriculture wasn't good enough, and corn ethanol specifically was not a clean enough fuel. And so they tried to find ways to undermine the RFS to really diminish the the potential growth for corn-based ethanol. Now we have an administration where, again, both presidents say they support renewable fuels. Um, 
Trump made key promises in Iowa, but we have an EPA administrator with a with a refiner bent, with a refiner bias, no doubt about it, from his uh, background in the state of Oklahoma, and working really behind the scenes, almost in darkness, to to grant some of these different exemptions and waivers. In the case of this latest waiver, Mike, we're talking about a, a small refiner is supposed to prove to EPA that the RFS would cause disproportionate economic hardship on its operations. And if it can prove that with evidence, it gets a waiver if it qualifies as a small refiner. In the case of this latest company, Endeavor, um, it's one of the largest refiners in the country, albeit it has a couple of facilities that are small and meet the definition of small. But this company posted a net profit of $1.5 billion in 2017. I just don't know on what planet a $1.5 billion profit is economic hardship. I think EPA has a lot to explain for and why they are allowing this company to escape from its obligations under the RFS. And so far, they're not explaining it, are they, Brian? So far, they're not explaining it, Mike, and they say that this is confidential business information. Um, that may be, but what we are very concerned about is this may simply be the tip of the iceberg. Um, we met with EPA a couple of weeks ago during our fly-in in D.C. They have almost 30 requests from so-called small refiners sitting on their desk hoping for exemptions from the RFS. If EPA were to sort of blanket grant all of those exemptions, the 15 billion gallons that Administrator Pruitt has promised he would fulfill um, for conventional biofuel for corn ethanol under the RFS uh, is undermined considerably, probably down to the neighborhood of 14.2 or 14.3 billion gallons um, below the E10 blend wall. Uh, not so coincidentally where refiners would like to sort of keep ethanol demand. And so EPA has a lot to explain for. Uh, we need transparency out of this administration, um, and we don't need any more backdoor uh, retroactive um, waivers for refiners. We're talking with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, uh, what's your take on how the EPA and this administration now approaching uh, greenhouse gas uh, tailpipe emissions and how this could impact ethanol? Well, while, while I'm outraged, frankly, at some of the steps EPA has taken recently to undermine the RFS, I have to take a deep breath and say we are encouraged so far from what we've heard from Administrator Pruitt with respect to the greenhouse gas standards that you just asked about. Automakers for years now, since 2012, have been under very strict regulations to reduce tailpipe emissions and at the same time improve fuel economy in vehicles. Um, a, a timeout on these regulations was called for in the last year to determine if the standards in the future, 2022 to 2025 model year vehicles, was appropriate or not. EPA has decided, Administrator Pruitt has decided, those standards for those years in the future are simply too ambitious and will need to be relaxed. People might be concerned about that, but where we see the silver lining, as Administrator Pruitt has told myself personally and said publicly, he wants to see a role for high-octane fuel to help the automakers maintain those reductions in tailpipe emissions. And so 
you know, the, the devil will be in the details as EPA writes those new rules this summer for those model year vehicles, Mike, but it could mean a nice opportunity for high-octane blends in the neighborhood of E25 to E30 to potentially play a role in helping automakers meet standards um, for emissions and fuel efficiency in the future. Seems like they dangle a carrot to kind of try to appease you for what they're doing, <laughs> harming you in another way. And uh, these are anxious times uh, for sure. Brian, thanks a lot. We'll stay in touch with you on these issues. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. These are uh, various, uh, certainly very serious issues facing the renewable fuels industry with these uh, waivers being granted by EPA. Serious times for the pork industry, too. Retaliation from China. We'll talk with Neil Dirk, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council, next on Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosoro. King of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever get four my pillows for the price of one that's right get four my pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm11 Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermos Boss, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. President Trump says it's not a trade war that we're in with China, but you'd be hard-pressed to get uh, some folks in agriculture to uh, agree with that because it sure looks like one and looks like it's becoming a bigger one. As we mentioned at the outset, looks like soybeans now making the list as uh, the possible next uh, ag product that could be uh, retaliated against. We know pork is on there. And joining us now is Neil Dirk, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council. Neil, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, how many times have you been asked about China in the last few days? Hey, well, as I've been telling people lately, and producers particularly, it's not been the slowest days they've ever had <laughs> from a staff <laughs> perspective. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's it like to be in the crosshairs of whether you want to call it a trade war or not? I mean, you're right there at the on the list for, uh, what, 25% tariffs. So how do you deal with right. that? Well, just a quick review. Um, of course, this was this was uh, put forth by the Chinese as a possibility, and then last Saturday or Sunday night we got word that they had indeed um, uh, put on 25% tariffs on top of the existing 12% tariffs of frozen pork uh, products going into China. Um, it uh, obviously we're very disappointed. Exports are critically important to our industry and our producers. Um, in the broader perspective of just what you talked about, we saw that we saw the 301 and, and it, just a quick one. What we the tariffs that went on in pork were a result of the discussions on steel and, and aluminum. And um, now yesterday, the USTR put out a potential list on the 301, which is the uh, which is the intellectual property and. Last night, of course, the Chinese put down a potential list that, that you referred to, and it's not it's not good. Obviously, it's you know it, it comes home to pork producers. You've seen the reaction in the marketplace, um, and and the point with it is, is that at some juncture the price is going to adjust to um, to move product, which uh, for our producers means oh you know very well turns things unprofitable more now we're still hopeful that in this whole broader spectrum of things that there will be a resolution to this before we do get into an all-out trade war um and that this can be uh, the the concerns can can be uh, worked through from both sides and that uh, we'll be able to get back to some normalcy on this market it's been a pretty good market for us a lot of people need to understand that the kinds of products that that are desired in China in China are those kinds of products that don't necessarily have tremendous amounts of value in the U.S. Um, this is really not a, for the for all intents and purposes not a pork loin market. There are some hams that have gone in, but but particularly where the value comes in for us is on um, what we traditionally call variety meats. These are you know things like uh, organs and and feet and ears and things of this order that that the market in the United States is not is not demanding these products like the market in China does. So it helps bring value to the the pork carcass and gives an opportunity for jobs. 
here in the U.S., um, which, you know, about we export roughly between, well, it depends on the year, but between 25 27% of all the pork we produce. Now, that isn't sending hogs out. That's sending parts, different cuts of meat, uh, to different parts of the world. But it, it adds over $50 value to the value of a pig. When a pig last year averaged $149 in value, $53 means a lot. Now, this particular impact, uh, according to Dermot Hayes at Iowa State, um, uh, would equate to roughly about $10 per head. Um, and um, from the from watching the markets last few days, it appears that that's been, that's been extracted from the markets. But in the end, as I uh, said, um, we would expect what will happen is the prices will just go down for these products in order to overcome that tariff. There will be some product that will move. But uh, generally, you know, we're all about free trade. We're the lowest cost producer in the world. We can compete with anybody. We just need access to markets because we can provide a healthy, high-quality, high-value product to consumers either here in the United States or elsewhere. Not that there's ever a good time for something like this, but, Neil, this is an especially bad time because the U.S. pork uh, uh, industry has been expanding. Uh, your your numbers are, are up. you got more pork than ever that you need to move. That's correct. As you saw, that our, our pig report that, that came out last Thursday indicated that we had the largest inventory for a March 1 pig report that in history. So we have had expansion, as you said, as well as, as well as uh, we've had um, heavier hogs coming to market, so we've had more pork available. So it's um, certainly not an ideal time. That isn't lost on a lot of people that look at imposing things to bring pain. Um, but at the same time, um, we have had situations in the past. China was an example back probably now 10 years ago on the issue of, of ractopamine, and it's a... Um, uh, we had you know, we had uh, SPS barriers, and we can't really get this in the market. There's certainly a disruption at the point it happens, but uh, but we've got a pretty resilient international trade and sales force from the United States, and our packers are pretty resilient. And then we move through it and adjust and move forward. And people make business decisions, and we'll see what happens. But uh, certainly, we just do not go through this. On the same time, we still are hopeful that we're going to see a a, um, a uh, possible resolution. We're certainly hopeful of that, and um, and we continue to work on it. Talking with Neil Dirk, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council. Neil, while you're hopeful that this uh, we get a resolution to this uh, soon, but in the meantime, and this is kind of what we've seen in the past. You these are slippery slopes. You start down these paths, and then you start. You know, one side does one thing, the other side has to answer back, and then it's back and forth. And if you don't put a stop to it fairly quickly, it can get out of hand. And even when you do get to a resolution at some point, there's been a lot of people hurt uh, along the way. That's true. And it's also a situation where um, when these things occur, it typically takes some time to get them worked out. Um, classic example, and I know my friends in the beef industry always raise it, was the China market close to U.S. beef in 2003 because of the issue of BSE. There was one BSE cow in the United States. It took them 10 years to get the market back open. So the point being is is that sometimes 
sometimes agricultural commodities uh, end up being bargaining chips and things in in um, in broader negotiations. And uh, sometimes it doesn't just get something um, worked out right away. Our hope is that um, that uh, both parties will be able to come to the table, get these concerns um, figured out. And again, I think it's pretty obvious from you know as a result of steel and aluminum and now the intellectual property that the agricultural sector is, is kind of the, the the side story here from the standpoint of what's caused this. But as our president said in the release last or this week, I guess it was, that um, unfortunately in these kinds of tit-for-tat situations, it's the farmer and the consumer that ends up paying the price. Yeah, that's the and that's been the concern all along. No one was saying that there weren't issues that needed to be dealt with between of the U.S. and China on trade and some imbalances needing to be corrected. But as we're seeing in other trade negotiations, this was the fear agriculturers had. Once you get into these things, it's so often agriculture that pays the price for other issues that they're trying to work on. And that's and I think agriculture recognizes that. That's why you put the mantra coming from agriculture, as we've talked about renegotiation of trade deals, things of this order, is has been the we're, we're asking that just do no harm and that's true uh, we just saw a successful renegotiation of the korean u.s uh, free trade agreement last week which is uh, we're very pleased by um and one of the things that that it does is it gives markets don't like volatility or uncertainty and when that was announced uh, it was apparent the markets felt uh, much better about it and uh reacted in such a fashion we have other we have other situations going on as far as, you know, we all know NAFTA. Uh, the renegotiation administration said they'd like to get it they'd like to get it done here before May. Um, and there's a whole bunch of dynamics that go with that. But, but with that, we're hopeful that that, that will be, uh, be able to be done because that is a, a very significant uh, a situ- you know, a, a very significant uh, uh, in the trade agreement from the pork industry's perspective. Our ability to send our friends in Mexico and friends in Canada has been um, <clears throat> very beneficial to our industry. So we, um, you know, sometimes we aren't we aren't the item on the table. We're more like the hammer that gets used. So hopefully, yep. hopefully we'll get this resolved and we'll be, be able to normalize and get back to the business, just providing good quality food to the, the world. CEO of the National Pork Producers Council, Neil Dirks. Neil, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Coming up next, President of the California Farm Bureau. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. 
We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. It's time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Soybean futures fell sharply overnight into Wednesday morning. China saying it plans to hit U.S. soybean imports with a 25% tariff. China stepping up the trade fight with the U.S., retaliating against proposed tariffs on Chinese goods by targeting high-value American exports from airplanes to soybeans to beef to sorghum. President Trump, in a tweet Wednesday morning, saying we're not in a trade war with China, That war was lost many years ago by the foolish or incompetent people who represented the U.S. In soybeans, the May contract has major support at 10.09 and a quarter, and we've been flirting with that level on this Wednesday morning. 200-day moving average at 10.02. We will see where Wednesday's close brings us. May corn settled little changed on Tuesday, but in the lower third of the daily range, Corn sellers pressing on the market the past couple of days. Strong resistance seen at 392 and a half to 392. The 10-day moving average at 378 and a half. Meanwhile, in the wheats, we're flat in Chicago, bouncing two to three higher on Kansas City wheat futures on the poor condition of the Southern Plains winter wheat crop. Minneapolis spring wheat futures backpedaling two to three and a fraction lower. For livestock at the Merck in cattle futures, we are trending lower. Live cattle under pressure on this Wednesday, checked up by lower feedlot sales and further long liquidation in the markets. Most cattle feeding states seeing light trade volume yesterday at 117 to 118 live in the south, mostly 188 dressed in the north. A dollar to a dollar sixty lower in feeder cattle on this Wednesday. Lean hog futures nearby April up 35 cents. Outside markets, the Dow down 337 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We've been talking a lot about uh, the Chinese uh, retaliations on uh, pork. Uh, Now soybeans uh, getting on the potential list 
Also on that list, of course, we haven't talked about this much, and that's uh, fruits and those uh, types of products uh, that are very important to a state like California. Joining us now to talk about that and other issues, the president of the California Farm Bureau, Jamie Johansson. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Okay, what's, uh, what's the California reaction to what's going on between the U.S. and China? Well, I mean, we're, we're nervous. Um, trade with China represents about $2 billion of our ag products. And, of course, hardest hit, uh, you know, that $2 billion, the 25 or the 15% tariff uh, would be our, our nut crop, our pistachios, almonds, and our citrus. So we continue. We, we, you kind of see it coming, being one of the few sectors that um, – actually runs a trade surplus with China. You knew there was going to be a mark on us, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's a nervous time for us in California. So when we look at that issue, and then on top of that now, the immigration issue is heating up again, and that ties right into your ag labor force and concerns with shortages there. These have to be some anxious times in your state of California. Yeah, and it, 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 it's sort of a time when you, when you just want a resolution. To some problems, and we deal with ag labor all the time. Um, about 70% of our members report that they have about half the labor force that they need, and and it's it's time to fully address it. We saw some efforts in the House this year. Um, that doesn't seem to be going anywhere in terms of having a solution for agriculture, reforming an H-2A program to an H-2C, uh, which really doesn't work for California agriculture. Um, and then, of course, the action along the border, you see, you see the president taken, just really makes everyone nervous from the farmers to actually our workers, who may even be here legally, but just see the political rhetoric in it. We know that border crossings are down, um, but, again, it doesn't help our situation in terms of, of getting our, our fruits and vegetables and our California crops to the market. I want to go back to something you just said. Seventy percent of your members have less than half of the workers they need. Is that right? Yeah, that's what they're reporting to us. We did a we did an internal poll with our members, um, um, and, and the reports that we got back were like 60, 70 percent of our members reported that um, certainly they could double their workforce today uh, if they had the available labor, and it just simply isn't out there. And I think that's something you know as we look at, 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 at what the economy is doing as we heat up as as we as we near um, full employment, uh, if we're going to grow this economy. Uh, you know, the 3 or 4% GDP growth that we want, we're really going to have to have a, a real long look at our workforce because simply for that type of economic growth, whether it's agriculture or any other industry, um, that workforce may not exist currently uh, in the United States, which is, which is a positive for us. Growing, growing the economy helps everybody, but we need to have a real and a, a real realistic um, uh, look at what, what, are, what we need in our workforce to continue to grow this economy and, and really grow our communities. How are your members going to deal with this labor shortage this year? Well, we're already hearing reports of, of in Salinas Valley, what we call the salad bowl, um, crops being left in the field. Um, and the farmers that I talk to there uh, say that probably will increase. You're going to start seeing lettuce production now move back in from Arizona into California uh, for the season. And uh, um, there, there's a lot of anxious people out there if they're going to have um, the labor force that they need. To, uh, to get the full crop out of the field. You also see, you know, in my own operation, like farm olives, um, we used to, when we handpick a lot of our olives for the, for the canneries. But we made that switch to olive oil about six, seven years ago, 100% to olive oil, because the labor just simply wasn't there for the cannery. We've seen in the last five to six years, our labor costs double, 
terms of what it costs to get our, our crop harvested. But with the moving into olive oil, um, we don't have a time-sensitive aspect, so the labor needs kind of kind of drop there. Uh, so what you're seeing, what you will see, too, is people adapting what they grow uh, based on the labor that's available to them. How do your members feel about the Trump administration's immigration policies and plans? Well, we, I think that was one of the, you know, one of the encouragements that we saw early on in the State of the Union speech when, you know, he addressed the current situation of DACA and the Dreamers, um, and certainly were in favor of a solution for them. We saw an opportunity there that maybe we could address um, having a, a, a long-term solution for immigration that we could tie on to. But, you know, I think the frustrating part is you see the opportunities and then you see the politics kick in and kill it. And, and that's not just this administration. We saw in 1996 with what they call the NAC Jobs Bill um, fail in the Senate by one vote. You saw in 2013 a Senate bill, you know, called the, referred to as the Gang of Eight Bill, pass the Senate by, by, a, the, by a supermajority and then not even be taken up in the House. So every step along the way, I think the farmers sit there and uh, just sit there and say, when can we get a solution? And we continue to work with uh, the administration. Um, Secretary Purdue has been out to uh, California numerous times in the last few months. Certainly is sympathetic and has seen it. We know we have a strong advocate in him in the White House. And so, uh, you know, we continue to work with this administration. And you can even see in the trade um, situation with the crops that are targeted and the products targeted, you can see the leadership in the House and the Senate who come from strong agricultural states or congressional districts um, who understand our problems. So we ha we're comfortable in that we have someone to go to who, who understands, but it's a matter of getting everybody on the same page and mo mostly the political will to come up with a solution. We're talking with Jamie Johansson, president of the California Farm Bureau. Jamie, I was just talking with the CEO of the National Pork Producers Council. We were talking about uh, retaliation on U.S. pork, and we were talking about you know, issues that need to be addressed, bigger issues like trading issues between the U.S. and China. No one's saying they don't need to be addressed, but it seems like agriculture pays the price uh, to try to get something else resolved. And it's kind of this way here, too, what we're talking about, the, immig the bigger immigration issue. While they try to figure something out there, agriculture is one of the uh, sectors that pays a price in the meantime. Yeah, it, it is, um, you know, continue to be stuck in the middle. Uh, but we have to be bold enough in agriculture that, that we do. We, we feel like we do have solutions to a lot of these issues that, um, that we can solve, particularly our immigration issue um, and simply, you know, um, uh, identifying our current workforce, uh, allowing them to have an adjustment of status, and then going down the road, uh, portability at will, which allows not only um, our workers to chase the highest dollar, but us as farmers, even small farmers, to offer a higher dollar to attract that labor, and that simply isn't there right now. So um, it always seems like it's the little guy, and certainly, you know, we're one percent of the uh, we make up one percent of the population in California. So there's a little guy who's stuck in the middle. People listening in other parts of the country uh, hear us talking about your production issues and challenges in California. They should also be thinking about how this will impact the prices they pay at the grocery store. Uh, oh, certainly, in California. Um, we're proud to say that uh, we produce half the fresh fruits and vegetables uh, that, that America consumes. On top of that, of the fresh fruits and vegetables and nuts that America exports, half of those come from California. So, you know, at any time you have these trade disputes, and the thing that we can't lose sight of, it is, it is a burden on, on the um, 
uh, you know, it will be a burden on the Chinese people who have grown accustomed to our products uh, as they grow in the middle class have demanded it, which has grown that, um, which has grown our export market to them, as well as the people in our own country. But when, um, uh, you know, trade allows for more choices, and not only for the consumer on the shelf, but more choices to what farmers can grow. And we certainly have seen that in California, you know, in, in uh, crop report, state crop report in 1993. 94, we list about 200, 250 different commodities grown in California, whereas our most recent crop report, um, uh, we, we list about 400 different commodities that we now grow in California. So the diversity of agriculture really is growing, and I think, and I think our export market has a lot to do with that. Um, and ultimately, the, you know, our consumers in America benefit from, those, from that diversity as well. Jamie, one other issue. USDA has published in the Federal Register a final decision to establish a federal milk marketing order that would cover your entire state. But before that goes into effect, the plan has to be approved by dairy producers. Uh, what's the feeling out there on uh, how they will vote on this? Um, I, you know, I, uh, not being a dairy farmer, I wouldn't speak. It is a very um, thoroughly discussed issue. Uh, um, our, our position is that they sh- they'll get the chance to vote, and we will support them in whatever decision they make uh, coming up in the, in the next month. The, the vote will take place. Um, but again, uh, it's it's a it's a um, it's a passionate subject to most of our dairy farmers in that California Farm Bureau. One of the things we can do working with our do- other dairy industry groups is sort of the opportunity to get them all in the room and, and see what works for them. But there is there really is you know we can talk about trade and fresh fruits and vegetables and and what's going on with China and export markets, but Another industry suffering immediately, um, if not worse, is our dairy industry, and that's and that's the situation that we just have to get right in terms of uh, keeping our our dairy producers in the state of California, uh, and um, you know doing whatever that takes. Jamie, real quick, do you have moisture this year? What what is your moisture situation? Well, we started off kind of bleak in January. We were about twenty percent of of normal. Our snowpack is what we measure and what we look to. Um, February, that grew to 30%. We had what we would call a March miracle, big rainstorms, huge snowstorms, um, and the last snow measurement, we're up to 50%. But the key to our water needs, uh, meeting our water needs, is our more storage. And so our reservoirs, based on a record amount of rainfall last year, are, are above average. So um, uh, uh, we're not in the dire situation that we thought we might be, you know, two or three months ago. So um, on that front, looking hopeful. But again, it's the, it, it, it's our needs will be met with more storage, and another solution that farmers have is to build more storage. Uh, but getting around the California politics and the and the burdensome regulations to get that done is another is another uh, topic of discussion. Yeah, that's an ongoing challenge for you, I know. Jamie, thank you for your time, and uh, we will stay in touch with you uh, and see how this progresses with the the Chinese uh, tariff situation and also ag labor. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Jamie Johansson, president of the California Farm Bureau. Again, 70% of their members in California report that they have less than half the workers that they need for their operations. Well, we've been talking a lot about China. You might want to go to China and see how things are there firsthand. We'll tell you how you can do that coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 
If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. The mighty Prosoro king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month, and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. 
Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We've been talking a lot about China. You may want to go to China. Take a look at things firsthand over there. Here's your chance to do it uh, through the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Their executive director, Tom Brand, joins us. Tom, thanks for being with us. Uh, tell us about this opportunity. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to visit today, Mike. I tell you, we, uh, we started talking about doing an international trip with farm broadcasters and folks from the agribusiness community actually a few years ago. And then plans began to come together late last fall, and, and we felt like China was, was an area of interest. Who would have ever expected that uh, that China would be such a such a hot topic this soon, um, and and so much uh, you know in in perfect timing um, for us to make this trip? So we've got a delegation of farm broadcasters and agribusiness folks that's going to be led by former Secretary of Agriculture John Block, going to China June 21st and uh, going to be coming home on the 4th of July. Um, there's stops along the way in Shanghai and Beijing and Xi'an and Chengdu, and uh, we're going to get onto some farms. We're going to see some some agriculture ports, some storage, some processing facilities, how United States products are being used there in China, and uh, and we'll do, we'll do a few touristy things as well, um, from the Great Wall to uh, the uh, the Terracotta Warriors to the to the Panda Sanctuary there. So uh, it, it's it's a great trip, and we've got room for uh, for more for more folks to join us um, that are coming from the ag community as well. How do they sign up or get more information on this trip? Well, the easiest way, I think, is just to send folks to our NAFB website, and that's just simply nafb.com. Um, on that front page, they'll see a, a series of rotating graphics, and the first graphic that should load up um, is a picture of, uh, of several sites uh, that we'll see there in China, and uh, if they'll click on that graphic, it'll take them to the Farm Broadcasters and Friends Journey to China, there's an informational page that we have set up there. Um, they can see the itinerary for the trip, um, pricing for the trip as well, and, uh, and and learn a little bit more of, of, about some of the some of the details and, and folks that are going to be going with us. If they want additional information, then they can fill out an online form, and then I'll follow up with them with uh, with more details about the trip then too. Yeah, let's emphasize again, uh, while there are farm broadcasters certainly going to be on this trip, it's open to everyone, and you want uh, uh, people to uh, from various uh, walks of life to be a part of this uh, trip that you have. Well, you, you know, and I think it works two different ways, maybe even multiple ways uh, when, you, when you think about it. Um, former Secretary Box leading the delegation, um, he made a trip to China in 1981. 
that opened up a lot of the trade possibilities that are actually in place today. So Secretary Buck's going to give us a very unique perspective of his time there versus um, what things are like in China now. Um, you look at places like Shanghai. Shanghai um, used to be somewhat of an industrial city, and to some extent still is, but now it's, it's, a, it's a strong financial center um, that, uh, that I think a lot of folks are going to take note of. Um, so um, just, just seeing the, the changes taking place there, the thing that we like about the ag community joining farm broadcasters on this trip is that we think those farmers and folks from, from ag business are going to be great points of reference for our farm broadcasters to also be able to mm -hmm. share their stories about why they're interested in being in China um, and, and how maybe um, some things compared to their operations back home when you compare farm to farm. Don, there's always, uh, it seems like for many people, a great curiosity about China. We know it's important as a market for U.S. agriculture, but just in general, there's a great curiosity about China. And with China so much in the news now, as we were talking about, uh, great opportunity for people to go see things firsthand. Absolutely. And um, besides the sites that we'll see and, and the agriculture operations that we'll have a, an opportunity to, uh, to journey to, and we're going to meet with the uh, former Iowa governor and the current U.S. ambassador to China, Terry Branstead. He's personally set up some time to, to meet with us, and we'll get a briefing uh, there at the embassy about, uh, about China um, in, in the big picture, specifically about agriculture. So this is, this is not just a, a tourist trip. Um, this is really an opportunity to, to learn a lot more uh, about that culture. That there, frankly, there, there's a lot of things that um, are probably rumored out there, that aren't true, um, and and this gives us an opportunity to, to meet with uh, with people uh, firsthand, and and then get to see things uh, for ourselves that way as well. What is your deadline for sign up on this trip? We'd like to have uh, folks committed, of course, as soon as possible to, to come along with us. Um, final payment will be due on the 21st of April, so that's a little less than three weeks away now. Um, um, we've got room for up to 40 participants. And we're sitting around uh, 22 or so that are that are a part of the of the trip right now, and so uh, and we we'd like to get the people committed to to come on board and and again if they want to go to nafb.com um, and click on that that graphic about the farm broadcasters and friends journey to China, and we can sure get them set up with more information that way too. And again, what are the dates of the trip? We're going to leave on the 21st of June out of Los Angeles, and we'll go to Shanghai from there. Um, it's, a, it's a lengthy trip to, to make that, uh, that jump over. Um, from Shanghai, we, we go on to Beijing, and we'll be in Xi'an, and we'll also be in Chengdu. And we end our trip then in Hong Kong before we fly back home to uh, Los Angeles on the 4th of July. Personally, I've, I've already got my, my airfare booked on this trip, and uh, I'll be home by, by 7 o'clock that night, so won't miss out on, the, on any firework activities as we celebrate Independence Day. And I think how fitting to come home from a communist country um, after two weeks uh, to come back home and, and celebrate America's independence then, too. So you'll leave from Los Angeles. So that's where people, you'll kind of meet there as a group and go, and go as a group from there so everybody kind of gets uh, picks their way to get to Los Angeles, then you go as a group from there? Exactly, yeah. We I, I think we do have one traveler that's actually going to meet us in Shanghai because they're already traveling internationally prior to our trip. But the, but the group uh, will, will travel uh, all together from Los Angeles to Shanghai and then uh, be together from, from there on through. First-class accommodations all the way through. Um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, flying once we're in China. 
We're also going to have an opportunity to experience the bullet train, um, that high-speed bullet train um, on, on part of our travel. So uh, um, really, uh, I think, a unique experience on, on the travel side of things then as well. Sounds like a great opportunity, a great trip. We hope people will check it out. Do so right away. Go to NAFB.com and check out the details for signing up for this trip to China. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Mike. Tom Brand, Executive Director of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. So if you'd be interested in going on that trip to China, check it out. Uh, looks like they have quite the uh, itinerary there. You'll learn a lot. I think you'll enjoy it as well. All right, coming up tomorrow, more on uh, the uh, trade tensions between the U.S. and China and the latest on sign-up for the Dairy Margin Protection Program. Hope you'll join us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.